Proverbs 16, one through nine says, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to pray for us one more time. Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful uh, what you've been doing uh, just in and through the life of the church this year. God, it's been tough. Um, It's been hard. It's been difficult. Um, But Lord, we know that you're good through it all. And we know that your word has a lot to say to us going into this year. Lord, I ask that you meet us today. Um, God, hide me behind your cross and um, just speak in and through me. Touch the hearts of people today. In the name we pray, amen. So I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. No one else? Okay. Go Steelers. Woo! Um, And just like a lot of other young men growing up, I wanted to be a professional athlete. Anyone else out there? Yeah, exactly. Um, Baseball was my sport. Uh, Believe it or not, I actually played basketball too, and one year of middle school football. Um, But unfortunately, in seventh grade, uh, unlike most boys, I actually stopped growing. So the height that you see me at today was exactly what I was at in seventh grade. So the dream of being a professional athlete died very quickly in seventh grade in middle school. And after that point, I realized that I was never gonna be an athlete. So I had to think about and choose a different career path. I love sports. And so the next best thing for me was to become a sports reporter or a sports caster. So my big plan was to be on ESPN. I didn't really care exactly what I was covering, how I was covering it. I just wanted to really be on the news and around uh, sports. And so uh, I went to West Virginia University, um, which is a big state school in West Virginia, go Mountaineers. And um, I spent all four years of college studying how to become a sports reporter. Um, My major was television journalism. And I was a part of our local college radio station. I was on the sports team there. I also uh, was an anchor for our college newscast. Uh, I actually interned at a really good uh, TV station in Pittsburgh in the sports department. Um, All of my professors said that I was good and was talented, and I'm a minority. So all that to say, (laughs) I was supposed to land this big job out of college, or at least that's what my plan was. And um, as time went on, obviously in your senior year, you start to look for jobs, you start to send out applications, and that's exactly what I did. I sent out uh, countless resumes and applications, uh, 
but for some reason, it has never really heard back from anyone. And this was my entire senior year of college. And so it was about a month left into my senior year. And uh, I finally get this call from a news director in this tiny town in Ohio. Uh, and for me, that was just good news. Any, any news was good news. So the news director calls me, says, hey, loved your work, your, all your references check out. You basically have this job. You just need to come up here, do this interview, read some script in front of a camera, and we'll make it, we'll make it a deal. So really excited. Obviously, everything that I'd worked for is uh, coming to this moment. So I go up to Ohio and uh, go to this interview. The interview part went completely fine. I think I answered everything exactly how I could have and should have. Uh, but when it came to uh, reading of the script in front of a camera, that was a different story. Now, uh, like I said, it was a very small station. And uh, in our college newscast, uh, was actually almost bigger than the station. So they had more things uh, like provided for us. So one of which was a teleprompter. In uh, the college newscast that I was in, we had somebody in the back that was running our teleprompter for us. So all the words would come up and they would just run it for us and kind of go at the pace that we would go at. But this station was so small that I actually had a foot pedal controlling the pace of the teleprompter. Now, I can barely do this. <laughs> so obviously, having a ton of fear and nerves, trying to do this newscast while holding my foot on a pedal didn't go so well. Um, it, was, uh, it was an interesting experience, to say the least. We actually have a clip of, um, of it. So if you want to roll that clip, that'd be great. And boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> yeah, so obviously that was not me, but you can replace this guy with me. And uh, that was pretty much what happened during uh, this interview. Um, obviously, and actually, you know, there's about three more minutes of that clip. I trimmed it down to like a minute and a half. Um, but anyway, just think of that as me. Uh, that, that's exactly what happened. Everything that I was uh, going to school for, everything was building up to this moment, and then this happened. Um, obviously, I was humbled. I was extremely disappointed. Um, I felt a ton of shame. And uh, lost a lot of my identity and dignity in that moment. Um, that was something that I really wanted, dreamed about, uh, went to school for. And uh, so after the interview, there was one week pretty much left of my senior year of college. I was about to graduate, and I had no idea what I was doing. Anyone else relate to this? Yeah, exactly. So obviously, that is not just my experience, but that is a human experience. Um, we all have our boom goes the dynamite experiences where things literally blow up in our faces. Um, we believe that we have some sort of control and order over the paths our lives are supposed to take. Uh, we think we know exactly what we're supposed to do. Um, but then a lot of times, literally, things explode. And um, we're left with being stuck in the middle of disorder and chaos. Um, maybe, as Robin mentioned, this was everyone's 2017. 
Can I get an amen to that? 2017 was kind of an explosion for a lot of people. Um, and so we're left with this idea that we do live in a broken, fallen world that oftentimes, oftentimes doesn't work. And uh, we're, a lot of, we're left with a lot of questions that linger in our hearts. Um, where is God in all of this? Is he good? Can he be trusted? And as we see in this passage in Proverbs, uh, it provides us with a ton of wisdom and really speaks into God's nature, character, and his nearness, uh, even in the midst of the tension that we feel of making plans, but also walking along um, his path and the steps that he has for us. Um, so I'm literally going to walk through uh, all nine verses of uh, Proverbs uh, 16. And just like any good pastor, I have three major points. <laughs> um, the first point is, uh, in the order and plans of our lives, God sees and hears us. Secondly, we see that in the disorder and chaos, God meets us in our disappointments. And finally, we see that God brings reorder to our lives. And by giving up control, we realize that he is big enough to provide for us. So again, it's this pattern, this pattern of order, disorder, and reorder, and how God is with us in that. So we look, at, look back at Proverbs 16, verses 1 and 2. Um, it says, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. So again, in verses 1 and 2, we see this idea of order, and that in the order, in our plans, um, God sees and hears us. Uh, from verse 1, we can take away that God does give us the freedom to make plans, and he's in control of it. A lot of times we try to separate those two, but God gives us the freedom to make plans, and he's ultimately in control of it as well. Um, this idea that he gives us the, f the freedom to make plans. We're not some robots. We're not droids. We're not uh, these things that are incapable of having thoughts and desires. Um, God created us to be feeling, thinking beings that have deep, passionate desires for life. That's why we have expectations for life. That's why we set goals and have dreams and have aspirations for things that we want to do and achieve. Um, God wants us and desires for us to be a hopeful people. He created us to be people of hope and desire. A personal example for me, uh, a lot of you know, and Robin mentioned it, uh, I just got married in May. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. My wife Jackie is over there. And uh, it's just been a, a fun year just figuring out marriage. But before I got married, I really struggled with being single. Um, I really struggled with it pretty much my entire time that I've been in Memphis. Um, my parents actually went to West Virginia University also, and they met there in the cafeteria. And so I thought the plan that God had for me was exactly the same, uh, that I was going to get married in college and I'd get this big job, and obviously none of that worked out. And so uh, I was left with a lot of disappointment in my singleness. Now, I say that um, because the desire for marriage is a good thing. Um, it says all over scripture um, that God desires for us to be in relationship. Marriage in and of itself is a beautiful picture of the gospel and how God created us as relational beings. But in my singleness, 
and in my loneliness, uh, I wanted to control the plan and destiny and destination for my life. Uh, I wanted to control the timing of all of this. Uh, I wanted to make the plans and also give the answer to those plans. And uh, the truth is, is that I didn't have control over any of that. Um, it was all about the Lord's timing. And that is a really hard truth uh, to remember. And even though that's true, uh, we need to remember that God, in our loneliness, um, in our disappointments, still hears us and sees us in those plans. Again, God still hears us and sees us in our desires and plans. So God really does listen to us. As Jamin preached a couple weeks ago, um, in Matthew 7, God calls us to ask boldly through prayer. In Psalm 10, the psalmist is really struggling with this idea that God is, uh, seems to be distant, uh, he's silent, uh, but he also recognizes at the end that, he's, that God is still listening. In verse 17 of uh, Psalm 10, it says, O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted, you will strengthen their heart, and you will incline your ear. I'll read it again. Oh, Lord, you, des you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear. The psalmist is really trusting and believing that the Lord not only hears him, but also strengthens him in the midst of the struggle and the pain. Um, and I really believe that God met me in my singleness. Uh, a lot of you know my story is that out of my singleness, I was able to start something here at Christ City known as the Singles Ministry. Uh, Sheree and I tag, used to tag team that, and uh, it's just been fun to see, even in the midst of a lot of disappointment and loneliness, that God was extremely faithful to me and um, cultivated a heart and a passion to reach other people that are struggling with the same thing. So I'm really thankful, even though it was an extremely difficult season, extremely lonely, um, that God met me in that as well. <clears throat> Um, now, the thing is that just because we ask for something, we desire something, it doesn't mean um, that we will get it exactly how we expect it. And that's what verse 2 in Proverbs 16 talks about. It says, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. So this goes back to the idea <clears throat> that uh, God is seeing us and hearing us in our desires, but sometimes doesn't answer exactly the way we want or expect. Um, like I said, I didn't really expect to be uh, single for as long as I was. I didn't expect to have a season, extended season of singleness. Let's be honest, I don't think anyone at this church really thought uh, that we'd experience so much hurt and sadness and pain this year as a church. No one really expected that. So what is it for you? For me, again, it was singleness. Maybe that, maybe that is it for you. Maybe you're someone here today that has been single for a long time. Um, maybe you're just looking for a new job. Maybe you're trying to find the perfect job that's out there. Um, what is it for you that you expected that you're waiting on and waiting for the, for the Lord to give you an answer on? Uh, Father Richard Rohr uh, says, every unrealistic expectation is a resentment waiting to happen. I think a lot of times in uh, our need for control, we go back to this idea um, 
that we have to have things. And uh, I think this quote really speaks into that, that our unrealistic expectations often lead to a lot of disappointment and resentment. Um, but again, we need to remember that, yes, God hears us and sees us in our desires. And uh, as we move to the second point, we see that when we experience the boom goes the dynamite um, experience like I had, or that moment that I had, that God meets us even in the midst of that disorder and chaos. Verses uh, three through eight of Proverbs 16 speaks into the, this idea that God meets us in the disorder and chaos and meets us in our disappointments. And the way he does that um, is by graciously exposing a couple different things. Uh, first of all, he exposes a belief that we don't need him. Um, verse five says, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Uh, arrogance and pride oftentimes are lived out in the false reality of self-sufficiency. Um, we start to believe we don't need God, that we have a better way. And a lot of times that's exactly where sin starts. That's the heart behind a lot of sin. Obviously there are countless stories throughout scripture of God's people believing their way is better than God's way. And there's tons of warnings throughout scripture um, that say to not be prideful. For instance, later in Proverbs 16, 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. And so God really exposes a lot of times within the disorder and chaos of our lives, um, the, uh, the fact that we think we don't need him. Um, verse 8 says, uh, better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. And so we can go out and achieve all these great things. Uh, we can do all these great things. Um, but this is saying a lot of times if it's done uh, from an arrogant heart, from an unjust heart, um, that we'll end up wrecking a lot of relationships around us, that we'll become uh, unjust people ourselves. So it exposes a belief that we don't need him when we are oftentimes in chaos. The second thing that it exposes are idols and strongholds in our lives. There's a quote in the back of your bulletin. Um, it's by a Christian hip hop band uh, called Beautiful Eulogy. Um, and it's from their song, If. And it says, what's concealed in the heart of having is revealed in the losing of things. So losing something or, or not having something that you desire exposes the deepest parts of our hearts, both the good and the bad. Um, like I said before, marriage in and of itself is a good thing. Having kids is a good thing. Those are both things God wants and desires for us to have. But it can become an idol when it becomes a source of control. And this goes back to verse two. God weighs our spirit. Um, Everything that we think uh, we desire is good, but God goes back to weighing the spirit. Um, and idols are an attempt to control the fear that we have. We grasp for things for, um, instead of allowing God to mold and shape us in the middle of this chaos. So again, the way God meets us in our disappointments uh, in, in the chaos is exposing idols and strongholds in our lives. Um, so what are some, some of the things in your life that you would see as idols that are a source, source of control? Some of them might be more obvious things. 
Um, and I believe that we need to give up those things so that God can work in and through us. To kind of illustrate this point a little more, uh, I had a friend in college who wanted to lose weight. Um, <clears throat> and so what he would do in order to try to lose weight what he would, he, was he would walk to work every day. It's a good thing. It's maybe a mile or two each way. So he would walk a good bit. Now, the problem was is that he actually worked at a fast food restaurant. Um, and so uh, he comes to me and he's like, man, I, I'm just not losing weight. I don't understand. I'm walking to work every single day. I'm like, okay, well, what's your diet like? And he's like, well, when I go to work, I'm usually eating like one or two meals there every day. And I'm like, you're eating one or two meals of fast food every day. No wonder why you're not being transformed and changed. Um, so this idea is uh, we need to recognize the things uh, that are continuing to be strongholds. Uh, if, we're not, if we're only feeding ourselves junk um, and going back to those same idols, uh, we'll end up as uh, not transformed people. We're never, we'll never actually be transformed. Um, and for him, maybe food was an idol. Um, but we're called to give up our idols um, so that our lives can be truly transformed. And so the question is, in the disorder and chaos, um, when you have that big boom goes the dynamite moment, what do we do in the midst of our disappointments? Uh, I think there's a lot of things here. Um, God calls us to recognize our need of him. Again, call, God calls us to recognize our need of him in the midst of our disappointment. Verse 3 in Proverbs 16 says, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. So he calls us to recognize um, that our motivation is out of a heart of gratitude um, for him, the things that he's done for us. Verse 4 um, talks about um, the Lord has made everything for its purpose. So God has ordered this thing where it's not just random, but he is sovereignly weaving all things together. Um, verse 6 uh, says, uh, By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. So this is saying the only way iniquity is atoned for is by God's steadfast love and faithfulness. And this is not by our doing, but it's only by his doing. That God provided a way um, through his steadfast love um, for, us, for our sin to be atoned for. And also it talks about the fear of the Lord. Now, a lot of times uh, we think that this is like a fear of judgment. This is actually not a fear of judgment. Um, but this is more of an understanding that he is God and we are not. It's more of a reverent fear of God. In 1 John 1, uh, 8, to 9, 8 and 9, it says, uh, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so what this talks about, too, is recognizing that we are a sinful people. Um, denying that fact, it says we actually deceive ourselves. And so what God calls us to in the middle of disappointment is recognizing our need of him. It's a recognition of our humanness and, uh, like I said, our need of him. Um, as we bring our sin and our loneliness and our sadness and disappointment, God is faithful in meeting us there. In fact, in verse 7, 
It says, uh, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. There's this this idea that um, as we bring our need and our loneliness and sin and disappointments to God, that he is faithful in meeting us there and he even brings peace to our enemies. And uh, this peace that he brings allows us to move into our third point, which is recognizing um, that God brings reorder to our lives. It's recognizing that God brings reorder to our lives. Uh, God is big enough to provide. Uh, He's big enough to provide this reordering of our lives. In uh, verse 9, it says, The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Very similar to to verse 1. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. And so, Uh, As we see here, the only way to give up control is to accept that God is big enough for you. Um, We see that in the order of our lives and the plans that we have, God hears and sees us in those things. We see that in our disappointments, that he meets us, that he calls us um, to be in need of him. And also we see... um, that the only way to give up control is to accept that God is big enough to provide for you. He calls us to keep planning, keep desiring, keep hoping, um, but also recognize that God is the one who establishes even in the midst of the boom goes the dynamite situations. Uh, Romans 8, uh, 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, the good Paul is talking about in this verse is not earthly comfort. It's not not the next job or whatnot, but uh, he's actually talking about conformity to Christ. He's talking about closer relationship with him and also bearing kingdom fruit. And so this idea that the more you give up control, the more of God you actually get, the deeper relationship you have with him. So in the end, it's our job to plan. It's our job to have passions and desires, but ultimately it's God's job to shape, to shape our lives. Um, The question is, are you willing to let God take control? Can we sit in the tension of our plans while waiting on the answer from the Lord? The good thing is that this church is you don't have to do that alone. Um, Like I said, I've been at at Christ City Church for six and a half years. I've had so many amazing relationships come from being here. It's been um, a wonderful six years, and I'm just so thankful that we have pastors and staff and other elders um, that are willing to listen to us, um, to each other in the midst of what can seem like chaos. Um, Christ City Church is a place where you can belong and where you can know God deeply and a place where you can and are allowed to tell the truth about where you are. So I'm sure all of you are wondering what happened after this boom goes the dynamite incident that happened in my life. Um, Again, I was one week away from graduating college, had no idea what I was doing with my life. Um, At that point, I realized that I did want to be involved in some sort of media, but I was also thinking about ministry, and um, I still had no idea. So honestly, my plan was to Moved back home with my parents, um, a very humbling thing to admit, and um, 
just look for a job around home. And uh, it got down to the last week of my senior year. I was involved in a campus ministry. And um, through the campus ministry, um, there was a guy that spoke that last week. His name is Jason Seville. So if Jason, if you're listening, I'm so glad and thankful for you in a lot of ways. Um, but he spoke at our campus ministry event. Um, I don't even remember what he really talked about, to be honest with you. I just remember him saying, I live in Memphis. I work for this ministry called Downline. If you want to hear more about it, come talk to me after, after this. And so uh, for some reason, um, I just felt prompted by the Spirit uh, just to go talk to him. And so after he was done speaking, I went up and talked to him, and uh, we scheduled a time to meet, and we met the next morning, and he sat down with me, and um, I just remember him sitting with me and listening to me and uh, hearing about all my desires and plans and how they just came crashing down. And um, uh, he just told me about um, God's faithfulness in the middle of that, and pretty much all of the awesome things that were happening here in Memphis. And uh, I remember at one point he, and I was at that point still looking for jobs in the area, and at one point he told me, uh, stop looking for jobs, you're coming to Memphis. And, uh, and I'm thankful for that advice, because the next thing I know, um, I got accepted to this program called Downline, which is actually who I work for now. And um, I, at the time, had a job at uh, um, city leadership in video production. And um, also, I just started attending a, a new church plant called Christ City Church here in Memphis. And so um, I say all that not to boast in um, the things that I did um, and that everything just kind of worked out. Um, that was nothing of my doing. Um, I saw that, say all that because I think my story speaks into this idea um, that God was not a part of my story, but ultimately I was a part of his and I think I had to recognize that and go through the order and disorder in order, in order to get him to reorder my life around his will. Um, my story is a story of how God and his sovereignty heard me, saw me in my desires, met me in the disorder and chaos, and reordered my life around his control and his steps. Um, the wisdom found in Proverbs 16 is the story of my life. Um, it's also the story of your life, and it's ultimately the story of the Bible. We see all throughout script, Scripture um, stories of order, disorder, and God's reordering. And one in particular uh, goes back to the beginning. Uh, in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, we find uh, the creation story. In Genesis 1 and 2, God created and he said it was good. There was an order to this world. But in Genesis 3, we see sin enter the world. Adam and Eve believed the lie that they could be God, that their way was better than God's way. And because of this, the result was disorder and chaos. But because God... Um, in his merciful grace, uh, promised us that he would provide a way to um, reorder and redeem 
our world. In Genesis 3.15, God promises a savior. And um, that way was through the cross of Christ. And um, that's everyone's story. Um, a lot of times uh, we have order to our lives. Disorder happens, boom goes the dynamite. But then God in his grace and his mercy provides a way um, and meets us in all of those things. And uh, I just want to remind you that um, just as we move into communion, um, I just want to remind us that God does prove that he is big enough um, through Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, that he is big enough and he meets us there. So whether you're in a season of order, disorder, and chaos, or God is in the middle of reordering your life, um, I pray that we remember um, that God is faithful in meeting us there. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truths found uh, in Proverbs 16. Thank you for the wisdom that comes from it. Thank you for the story that you're writing um, in all of our lives and that you've been writing um, forever. God, thank you for um, my story. It's filled with, filled with a lot of disappointment and loneliness, um, but it's also filled with a lot of grace and a lot of your goodness. <clears throat> Lord, I pray as a church, as we move into 2018, that we take this wisdom from Proverbs 16 um, and not just hear it, but also do it. Trust, Lord, that um, you are in control, that you meet us in our desires, um, and that you provide a way. Um, <clears throat> God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that um, what we're looking for can be found um, at the table. Amen.